You know how we do. Rockefeller. Forever. Catch me skating through your town, putting it down. Y'all relating. No waiting. I'll make your block. We are live. Welcome back. Deep Cover Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm back with Carrie and Chris as usual. Hey, we're celebrating another Ravens win as they went down to D.C. and took care of business against the Washington football team last Sunday. Um, we'll talk about the game, you know, look back at that, uh, talk about the upcoming the upcoming game against the Bengals, talk fantasy as usual, probably kick around some other topics as well. Obviously, COVID, um, you know, is, is uh, a hot topic in the world, obviously, but also in the NFL right now. But before we get into all of that, touch base with the guys i'll start with carrie how's it going carrie how you been man i'm in good well i was doing great today until the ravens cut geno stone so i mean that that just just you know messed me all up man uh you know somebody at the castle over there owe me a phone call (laughs) i mean you are carrie DeCosta. what is going on here what's going on like this isn't something i'm supposed to find out on twitter man somebody gotta shoot me a text or something (laughs) Snazzy Newsom. They don't let you down. All of them. All of all of your sources. And you know, when we were talking about it earlier, and you were saying how, you know, you couldn't believe that they ain't let you know they was gonna ready to make this move. I initially was like surprised too, but then I thought, oh, what if they bring back Brandon Carr? And then I wasn't mad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mad at all. I mean, you know me, that's that's what I'm living for at this point is a, a Brandon Carr reunion. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but uh that would make me feel better about it. Hopefully, hopefully he can get through waivers and they can get him back on the practice squad. I'd like to see him get a chance to 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 develop here. We all we talked about him going back to the draft. We're all big fans of his. So hopefully they can get him back. Chris, how you been, man? I'm good. Um good. Just uh survived my daughter's birthday this weekend, but uh came out unscathed, so everything is A okay with me. Hey, that's it. We talked about that. It's like it's like the NCAA tournament. So when it comes to the kids' birthday, for survive in advance, <laughs> survive in advance. You're just trying to make it from one party to the next, <laughs> and uh, you did it. So congratulations to you. You know, I know it was her birthday, but congratulations to you. For, Thank uh, you for surviving that party. Um, before we jump into the football talk, this is another thing that we talked about. And I just want to shout these people out because this is a big story to me. So this is a story. Uh, that was on CNN. I want to give these two women credit, uh, Ashley Scott and Renee Walters, two women down in Georgia, I believe it's Wilkinson County, Georgia, who got together with another group of black families. I'm going to say it's like 18, 19 families to buy 97 acres of land in Wilkinson County, Georgia, with the intent of starting their own city uh, to be called Freedom, Georgia. So I just thought that was a really cool story. Um, great example of empowerment, self-determination, because they talk about wanting to create a safe space for black families uh, and then also a place where they can recycle that dollar inside of that community. So commercial business, agriculture, um, you know, education, whatever it may be, um, just that whole cooperative mindset is something that um, I'm definitely about. So. Just want to shout those two ladies out and the rest of the folks, uh, rest of the families who are a part of that, because that's that's big. Man. That's real big. Yes, sir. That's a, a hell of a project that they have on their hands and and definitely want to salute them for 
for taking that something like that on. No doubt, no doubt. So yeah, that you know, resonated we, with me for sure because I, I think about. Um, so I started reading this book uh, called the the How uh, to Happiness, and um, you know one of um, the points of the book is you know when you talk about um, you know trying to find happiness and you talk about you know maybe the pursuit of happiness well it's not so much the pursuit of happiness as it is the construction of happiness and to me that's what they're doing in this is they are taking control of of their happiness and actually constructing it like and so like something like that is just just it it resonated for me in a different way because i started reading this book so just seeing that um it, it kind of really hit home for me as I'm kind of going through my own personal journey of trying to construct happiness to see somebody doing it in that way um, was, uh, you know, inspiring, really. That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to put that book in the show notes because uh, that, that definitely sounds like something that I would want to read because I that definitely aligns with the way that I try to think about it. It's like you're you're they're absolutely right. I mean, if you're out there pursuing it. Um, you might not ever find it. You know, it kind of doesn't work that way. You've got to construct it yourself, like you said. And, and for me, the way I think about it is it it comes from within. You know, that's something that's inside of you. If you're if you're seeking it from an external place, um, you know, that's sort of hit or miss. Right. You, you might you might find it in some external sources just by happenstance. But other times you might not. And so I don't want to be on that up and down kind of thing. Um, I think. When you think about it coming from within, then you are in more control of how you feel about it. Right. It's not based on something else happening outside and around you that determines your happiness. You determine it. So we'll definitely have to put that out there. I'm sure other people might want to read that as well. So, no, nah, we, we all just you know, we shared that story a little bit among the three of us and uh, we're all really inspired to 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 hear about that. So congratulations to them and wish them nothing but success. Um, and, and, and prosperity. So, yeah. And, and if they have any any uh, plots open, please, and you they hear this, let let me know, please. Yeah, by by all means, if uh, you know we they could become a, a a sponsor. You know, we can partner up on some things, <laughs> and maybe maybe we can do the show from down there. We could do the show. We can get a little studio down there in Freedom, Georgia. Yes, sir. Uh, deep Deep Cover Podcast coming to you live from Freedom, Georgia, from the Freedom, Georgia studios. Um, so who, who, who knows? Right. Um, but let's let's talk about this Washington game. We'll take a little look back um, before we we move forward. So um, Ravens get the win uh, ended up, you know, to be in pretty convincing fashion by the time the game was over. Uh, a couple couple big plays on defense. Um, Marlowe, the million dollar man, continuing to do what he does, um, create turnovers. Right. Put the put the offense in good position. And uh, offense played well. I thought offense played well. You know, still a couple, couple deep balls uh, that were that were, you know, Lamar wasn't able to connect on, but hit Andrews for two touchdowns and really, you know, those and, and even a couple throws to Hollywood. I mean, he has some absolute dimes in there. I mean, we can we can we can talk about the ones that weren't made, but I, I tend to want to focus on the ones that were made. I mean, he the, the touchdown to Andrews going left into the, the left corner of the end zone was just, uh, you know, perfect touch on that ball. And then he had one kind of throwing across his body to Hollywood. 
um, that Hollywood almost scored on. Got got down there to like the one or the two yard line, but that was another one. That was just one of those throws that you're like, man, this this guy, he can seem to do, you know, Lamar, he can seem to do it all, you know, when everything is clicking. So I thought overall, you know, game, you know, game um, kind of went according to what I think a lot of people thought. Um, I think people didn't really expect Washington to put up a ton of resistance uh, against the Ravens. And, and eventually it, it, it turned out that way. Poor one out for Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately, uh, looks like uh, he lost his starting job as a result of that game. Or I guess the, the, the first four games, it's hard for me to say that he, he, it doesn't seem like he's really deserving of that, but let me, let me start with you, Chris. I mean, you can start with Haskins if you want, or just, or just the Ravens, any, any reflections you have back on that game? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start on, on the Ravens, uh, first, uh, just, uh, it was, it, it was a good game. Um, I just, I don't think that, I think when people watch these games, they should also factor in the other team is their professionals too, and they get paid to play. And it's not just going to be the Ravens come into town and teams are going to roll over. Teams are going to score. Teams are going to get first downs. Teams are going to create turnovers. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean that the Ravens suck. <laughs> it's it, not every every game is going to be 49 to 7. Is I I feel like there's somewhat of a of a uh unrealistic expectation with the Ravens where they people just want blowouts and this was a big win. Yeah. And for whatever reason the fan base the the feeling around it is is just meh. Like <laughs> like okay, whatever. But if this was you know, four years ago, we'll be like, Whoa, they blew the Redskins out. They blew them out. They took care of business. And now it's just it's it's nothing. And it's like, no, man, like this is a big game. Like celebrated. This team scored scored a lot of points. And the the game was you know, it was Lamari was taken out of the game early. Like <laughs> we should be celebrating this. I mean, obviously that I'm not saying, oh, let's ignore all of the negatives that we see, because there are always going to be negatives. Even in a blowout, there are going to be some negatives that you see. But let's not let it poo-poo how happy we are about the W. You know, we can see, you know, the glaring deficiencies on on some sides of the ball or at some, some aspects of the field. But it should still be, all right, we're happy we got the win. You know, let's celebrate it. But damn, we don't have to be Debbie Downers after you know a, a huge. No, and you you definitely see that sentiment out there right now, right? That people, these are wins, right? They're three and one. Obviously, we talked after the Kansas City game, and we know everybody really was down after that game because that was thirty-four to twenty. But you know, people really felt like the score wasn't really indicative of how they played. But even in these games that they've won, keep in mind, they've scored over 30 points in, in all three of those games. But even in those games that they've won, you're right. People have been like, well, yeah, but the offense really isn't still clicking, you know, on all cylinders. And we've acknowledged that, you know, we've talked about, yeah, there's, there's definitely some things 
that can be improved. And, you know, the players and coaches talk about that every week. So, I mean, everybody is, is, is aware that, um, you know, this, they, they haven't quite, quite hit their stride yet, but we're, we're Mm -hmm. at the fourth game. Remember where they were the fourth game last year. (laughs) Yeah. Coming off the back, back, coming off of back to back losses. Another one of those to Kansas city, ironically, but you know, the defense was giving up like four or 500 yards a game in those two losses. And, and, you know, I, I don't think they're in that place right now. And, and to your point about Washington, I mean, just go back a few years ago, right? The last time they played each other in the regular season, Washington came up here and beat us. Yep. <laughs> so just, just keep that in mind, right? That was just 2016. So, uh, you know, the things, when I think about all of that, uh, they're winning these games, they're scoring over 30 points, in each of these games, and you can talk about the competition. Well, it's Cleveland. Oh, it's the Texans. Whatever. You can only play who's on the schedule, right? Right. And 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 you try to play as well as you can. And of course, ultimately, they're going to be measured by uh, how they do against the Kansas Cities of the NFL. You know, the top teams in the NFL. That's ultimately how they're going to be measured. And if, and if they can win in the playoffs, we 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 all know that. But let's let's be in this moment, right? The, these are the games that they have to play, and they're winning them. Um, yeah, and then, like you said, they're not like everybody could see they're not clicking, and but they're still putting up points. So we should be excited by that because they're not even on the same page yet, you know. And especially on the the offensive line, we know that's going to take some time to gel. Uh, Lamar looks a little tick off on some of the throws, so we should be excited that the offense is able to produce and they're not even on the same page yet. Like that's kind of scary. When you think yeah. about it. So I, I feel like that's something we should be celebrating and, and excited to see develop throughout the year, because I think we can all see on both sides of the ball that this team, they're not even close to their potential yet. Right now, they're just finding themselves and, and getting comfortable with each other. But in week 10, we could see a, a whole whole different team with the, the chemistry established and timing on point. It's it's exciting to to look forward to, especially when you frame it that way. I mean, when you when you frame it that way and you look at, okay, they scored 38, 33, 20 and 31. And they're really still trying to find a rhythm uh, in a lot of ways on offense. And you say, whoa, so they they scoring that many points and they ain't found a rhythm yet. So (laughs) when you when you when you look at it like that, you're absolutely right. Let me go to you on that, Kerry. Any uh, reflections you have on the Washington game? Um, I guess we 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 can save uh, you know the Haskins thing. We'll, let's carve that out separately. We'll we'll just talk about the game, and then we'll we can all go around and talk about Dwayne losing his job there. Yeah, so I'm glad you guys went in this direction with it. Uh, so I'm gonna have a little red table talk with myself with this. So. You know, when I sit and watch the games, I usually have a pen and paper in front of me and I'm, I'm kind of jotting down my observations. So, you know, I'm watching this game on Sunday and I get into the third quarter and my paper is empty. Like I don't have anything on it. <laughs> so, you know, third quarter going bad, still nothing. I'm like, OK, well, I got time. So, you know, I'm still watching. It's like the two minute warning in the fourth quarter. And I look over and I still don't have anything on the paper. <laughs> Like nothing at all. <laughs> so, uh, so I started thinking. I'm like, okay, well, all right. So, what were some of the big plays in the game? Like something had to have stood out for me in my mind. 
So the first thing I thought about was the Lamar uh, pick on the sideline. Mm. So at that moment is when I kind of had an epiphany. And I, I really believe that since that Titans playoff loss, I never stopped viewing this team from that lens. Mm. Like subconsciously, for me, it's only been about what gets them over the hump, what the deficiencies are, et cetera. Um, and that's just like such an unenjoyable way to like consume the team. Like, and, and so like, and, and first off it's unfair because this is the 2020 Ravens. This is the 2019 Ravens. Secondly, you miss out on the growth uh, of the team when you let yourself get so like singularly focused on what they haven't done or what, what you perceive they can't do. So, you know, I, I just felt like that was important to share because I'm sure there's a lot of people. I'm sure I'm not alone in 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 that way of thinking. And if you're looking at the team from just that lens, whether it's, you know, consciously or subconsciously, um, you're probably not having fun right now. And, you know, maybe if you, you know, live a little bit more and, you know, consume the team a little bit more in the moment you know, it'd be more fun for you. And, and, you know, you'll be able to see, um, you know, some of the growth. I mean, these, this, these teams are, you know, basically playing preseason. You know, I'm glad somebody pointed out on Twitter today, um, Patrick Queen pretty much just finished his preseason. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's just important to understand that he had a goal is to win a Super Bowl, but, they don't have to win a Super Bowl in October. The Super Bowl isn't played in October. <laughs> you know, there, there's plenty of time, plenty of um, of growth to, um, you know, get to. But like you guys said, they're not clicking on all cylinders, but they're still scoring 30 points. So you know, there, there's something to be said for that. That's a that's a really good way to to frame that, Kerry. Because I I think I probably do that subconsciously too. I probably still have a little bit of that Titans cloud kind of hanging over some of my thoughts. I, I, I don't know that I do it consciously, but I, I think it's still I think the other thing, too, for me, um, I won't speak for, for you two guys, but I know for me, when you as a fan, when you start to skew a little bit more towards the analytical view of what you're watching, like you're just not watching it as a fan, you know, like before you started doing a podcast or tweeting out film clips or writing articles you were just a fan right and you just getting excited when they had big plays getting down when there was like a negative come on come on we're gonna get the next one we're gonna get this one back you know all of the fanatical part of it of being a fan i know that i've lost a big part of that through doing more like analysis type stuff because my wife tells me about that all the time she's like you're, you're not a, you're not a real fan you're not a real fan of this team <laughs> because you say you go into every you go into every game like by the beginning of the week, like by the time, you know, you look back at the previous game. So she's like, so you look back at the previous game and you look at all the stuff that they did wrong and how they could have done it better. And then you start thinking about the next game. And all you talk about is all the ways that they can lose and how this team can beat them. <laughs> and she was like, That can't be enjoyable. So that can't be an enjoyable way to, to think about the game and to and to view the game. Where's the enjoyment in that? And that that that's right along the same lines of the point that you were making, Carrie. It's like, look, I mean, fan however you want to fan. I'm not certain. I'm certainly not telling anybody how to do it. 
but it's a game, right? This is entertainment for us as fans. I would I would expect all of us want to want to enjoy that time and want to actually be entertained. So, you know, you can choose to look at it however you want to look at it. But if it's a game and if it by by taking that time on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whenever they play the game is kind of your escape and a way to kind of get away from whatever's going on in your life or, or at work um, and just enjoy watching something like you don't want to be thinking, oh, well, you know, they're, they're only averaging, you know, this many yards per play well, last year. You know, they were average. I mean, you can. You can drive yourself crazy with that stuff, but do, but at the end of the day, do you, you know, if that's, if that's what you want to do, do you, I'm just, I think to, to Carrie's point, um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a little bit more enjoyable if you don't, um, you know, if you don't consume it that way. So look, let's, uh, before we, we get out of, uh, we, we get out of talking about the Washington game. I think we just can do a quick little go around on Dwayne Haskins. You know, I, I was disappointed to see the report even before the game that, you know, if he didn't play well, um, his, his, his starting job was potentially in jeopardy. And then, of course, we saw, um, was it yesterday, maybe day before yesterday, that he had indeed lost that starting job for Kyle Allen. Uh, I mean, you know, Chris, too bad about <laughs> Kyle Allen because he helped me win. In DFS uh, <laughs> last year, when he his first start, I remember Chris was like, "Who is Kyle Allen? Why do you think Kyle Allen is?" <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to talk too bad about Kyle Allen, but we want to make this about Dwayne, right? Don't don't we don't have to talk about other people. Um, I, I just think that it, it it feels a little unfair to me. I mean, I know he got an opportunity to start some games last year, and people can look at that and say, "Well, how long is he supposed to get?" Well, look, Bill Walsh said that you know you need at least three years before you know whether a quarterback uh, can really play in this league at a consistent level or not. Uh, Dwayne is not anywhere near three years. And think about the change, right? You can point to those games last year and say, well, hey, he had a shot. Well, that was a different offensive coordinator. They get a new staff uh-huh. that comes in this year, and now he's got to learn a new offense. And, um, you know, there's there's obviously going to be a learning curve with that. And every team is a little bit different each year. So you get some new players that come in on offense. And obviously there's some adjustment as, as chemistry and, and, and continuity starts to, to develop there. And then after four games, you're going to bench. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Which one? I don't even know where, to, where else to go. Which one of you guys want to <laughs> talk about this next? Because this is what I was talking about before the show. I might be getting ready to get angry, so I probably need to stop. <laughs> Yeah, you man, you, yeah, my my issue with it was the the justifying it through the media after the fact. You know, it, it, if you want to make the change, you know, on the surface, I get it. You know, he hasn't played well, um, you know, particularly well. Um, and you have uh, Cal Allen, who was, you know, with the uh, current OC last year. So there's that familiarity there. But. Uh, you know, to make the move and then to um, to have the head coach cite um, players feeling like, um, you know, there was an issue with um, their chances on winning. And then, um, you know, you see the you, you see it pointed out that not only is he being demoted to second screen, he's not even a backup. He's being demoted to third screen 
Um, I thought all that stuff was just done in poor taste. Um, And it was just unnecessary to me. If you want to make that move, you know, make the move. But, you know, have a little bit more respect for the guy um, than to kind of create this smear campaign for him, you know, after the fact. Yeah, you're 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 up now, Chris. I won't I won't say any more about it. (laughs) Yeah, so it. This was basically the writing was on the wall once they traded for Kyle Allen. Like we knew this was going to happen. Like I just it's a new regime. And, you know, like Kerry said, this isn't their guy. So we knew this was going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to be this fast. And the fact that he came off the best game of his career against the Ravens defense and still got benched. So he would have had to have played like an MVP in order for him to not get benched. And that just, I life isn't fair, but that, I mean, damn, that just doesn't seem fair when you see guys like Mitchell Trubisky get three, four years of a shot. When you see guys like Nick Foles, who's playing right now, you see him bounce from team to team and get, get paid, get paid mm-hmm. handsomely. To, to start for teams. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, I think we all know why that is. And it's just the fact that black quarterbacks, they don't get the same leeway that white quarterbacks get. And people could bring up Josh Rosen and say, oh, look, look at Josh Rosen. Okay, that's one. What about the, the other list of people who have bounced around this league and who have done nothing and they get chance after chance after chance after chance. And meanwhile, Cam Newton, who's MVP of the league five seasons ago. And as you can see, he can still play because he's balling right now for the new England Patriots. He had to sign for the veteran minimum, but Nick Foles got paid. I think we know what that's about. And people could say, oh, it's Cam's personality. There's there have never been reports about Cam being, you know, a, a, a toxic person inside the locker room. Yeah, he's he's out there. He's flamboyant. He's loud with his style and, you know, how he acts sometimes. But you never hear anything negative about him, like, like as far as being a bad teammate or a bad person. So because he's loud and he dresses funny, like that that's the big knock on him. It, it wasn't even the injury stuff that I heard brought up. It was his personality. That's why teams didn't want to bring him in. So I mean, I feel bad for Dwayne Haskins. I'm hoping that he can he can land on a squad that will will give him a shot, a fair shot, and he can he can be with a coordinator who actually wants to work with him. And just let him develop. And and I'm not over here saying like, oh, you know, Dwayne Haskins was about to be, you know, the the next Lamar or, you know, the next Mahomes, the next great running back. No, I don't think that at all. But give the damn kid a shot. That's what I'm saying, because there are some flashes. And, And Mike and I spoke about this last week where I was watching the Cleveland game and in the first half. I'm watching him and I'm like, oh, he's doing some some really nice stuff. 
but then you know it's followed up by the boneheaded mistakes but you have to realize this guy's been starting at quarterback for three years not in the nfl just at the position at ohio state he started one year and then last year he started uh with the redskins so they're not giving him any time at all and i don't i just i don't know i'm i'm lost by it and uh like i said i just hope he can he can bounce back and and get on a team that actually wants him and and or or work to develop him yeah and the last the last thing i'll say about it i want to give credit to this guy too he's he's quincy avery on twitter um he made this comment about that move and said you know Essentially, if you're a black quarterback in the NFL, you have to be elite to uh, have an opportunity to keep a starting job. If you're average, you're not going to get that same opportunity, you know, and people started kind of jumping on him because of that word. Oh, so we're striving for being average. Average guys are supposed to be rewarded. And he said, well, look, think about what that means. Right. If you're if you're average in the NFL, there are 32 teams, right? 32 teams don't have elite starting quarterbacks right i don't think that's even debatable (laughs) all starting quarterbacks in nfl are not elite so there is some average right in there and 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 average it's just you're in the middle right if you were to take a set of numbers the average is it's the average it's not well that's the median but let's not get into math your average right and most of the average players in the NFL are still very good players. Just the fact that you made it into the NFL means that you are among the best football players on the planet. So if you're average among that group, you're still a really good player. So, you know, he was using the word, but he's like, you got to, you got to put it in that context. An average player, an average starting quarterback is still a really good player. But for black quarterbacks, that's not good enough. You got to be elite. You got to be Lamar. You got to be Russell Wilson. Um, you got to be Deshaun Watson, you know, name, name, name them, all the, all the guys in, in the NFL right now. But you don't get to be Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles or, you know, go around the league, Ryan Fitzpatrick or right. You don't you don't get to be that guy. Um, you know, it, 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 we're being reminded of that right now. You don't get to be that guy if you're a black quarterback. So people can take from that whatever they want. You know, everybody's going to have their own opinion on that. Uh, those are our opinions and they're as valid as anybody else's. So whether you agree with it or disagree with it, always fair, but doesn't make what we think or what you think any less valid. That's our opinion. And that's what it is. So um, let's look forward now because we got Cincinnati coming up division game, another division game, right? You already played the Browns uh, the first game of this season and Joe Burrow, going to be our first chance to see him against this Ravens defense I've taken a look at a couple of the other games that he's played most recently the the Jags and the Eagles Um, I think I even saw when they played the Chargers too I think I I took a look at that game too so I've seen him a couple of times Um, I remember just even in that Chargers game thinking yeah this this guy's going to be good Um, you know there's there's some ups and downs like you see with any rookie quarterback but Obviously, he's been tossing it all around because he's got a couple of 300-yard games, a few 300-yard games in a row. They're giving him opportunities to throw it around. I think he's up there in pass attempts. And, um, you know, sort of like he did at LSU, getting an opportunity to kind of get in the gun. You know, they'll spread you out 
you know, four receivers, five receivers and uh, play up tempo like Harry talked about uh, before we started recording and kind of just let him do the things that, that he showed uh, at the world he was good at at LSU. Which smart, right? Good coaching. If he's, if he's already good at something, let's and he showed he can do that at the college level. Let's let's try to give him an opportunity to to do some of those things at this level as well. Uh, I'm not as as um, as, as feeling as, as positive about the the Bengals defense. Uh, I think they've had some turnover there. They got a bunch of young guys. I will say that a bunch of young guys, particularly a linebacker and a bunch of guys that I like, uh, Akeem Davis, Gaither. Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, not quite as high, but another young guy. Um, it looks like they're trying Jordan Evans. People might remember him. Uh, they drafted him a few years back. To, to He was a defensive end, but now he looks like he's getting a shot to play off the ball linebackers. A uh, bunch of young players there on their defense. And, uh, you know, you know what that can mean. So uh, let me start with you, Kerry. What do you think about this matchup with the Bengals? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. It's funny because you talked about how your wife would talk about how you would look at teams before the game and kind of devise all these different ways that the Ravens could lose. And I've already I'm, done that. I've already done that this week. Yeah, and, I, and I'm kind of about, <laughs> kind of about the same thing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm cautioning people not to sleep on this team. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow has looked uh, very impressive to me, very poised, uh, showed a lot of uh, the traits that you saw in that senior year at um, LSU. Um, and I think offensively, I think they're still tinkering with it. I think they're still trying to figure things out as far as the receiver rotation, um, you know, how much involvement they want Joe Mixon to have in the passing game, uh, you know, their their deep passing game, um, you know, still kind of got some, some – um, you know, room to grow. So, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to run into a situation where the, the team kind of figure th- figures things out against you. Um, and, and when you look at the defensive side of the ball for them, um, they could be getting uh, Geno Atkins back. I think he practiced today. Um, they've kind of made some tweaks to the, to the defensive end rotation, getting uh, Carl Lawson in there. Uh, on rundowns, uh, Carlos uh, Dunlap was not very happy about that, but um, we'll see how that, that, you know, lends itself to better um, run defense against, uh, you know, Ravens uh, running game. And, um, you know, they, they they have some issues in the secondary a bit, but I'm a big fan of uh, their um, deep safety. He's a guy that, you know, I wanted the, the Ravens to draft um, before they, um, signed Earl Thomas. So yeah, Jesse Bates, my boy yeah. Jesse Bates. Yeah, he's he's good, man. I like him. So you know, th- there's some talent on this team, and um, again, like me and Mike was talking about before uh, we started recording, uh, they have a good scheme. They they play fast on offense, um, and like I said, I think they're just figuring some things out. So I, I think it's definitely a game you don't want to come in and take lightly. Um, lightly, I'm sorry. Uh, so you want to go in there and um, take care of the football um, and uh, kind of clean up some things and uh, consistently um, convert on some of these plays that they're missing and, you know, keep drives going and and, you know, make sure they're doing the things that they need to do. Um, because I think this is a, a team that um, has an upward trajectory and I think they can they can sneak up on some people if you're not too uh, 
um, you know, if you get too uh, lax in um, in your approach with them. Yeah, and you you make a good point about maybe the Ravens being able to connect on some of those deep shot opportunities against the secondary because I think people who are Ravens fans and and you know followed them obviously in in the division teams, you know you might know William Jackson as as one of their cornerbacks, but um, outside of that, you know you got Lashawn Sims, you got Darius Phillips, uh, you got Von Bell. And Sean Williams kind of rotating at strong safety. Of course, we talked about Jesse Bates. He's a stud. Um, but Sims and Phillips, they kind of been flipping them around. Uh, Phillips started the year at outside cornerback. They played him last week in the slot. LaShawn Sims played outside. Um, you know, there might be some opportunities there for guys like Hollywood or Devin DuVernay or, you know, any any of the receivers. Um and, and and so that's something to keep an eye on. And Joe Mixon, I don't can't believe I didn't mention Joe Mixon when I was I was talking about some of the other offensive players. Joe Mixon, guy who can run it, guy who can catch it. I think the issue with him in some of their early games had just been opportunity. Not not necessarily anything wrong with with Joe Mixon the player, but just opportunity um, in terms of opportunity in the passing game specifically. Uh, I think you know there's there's always ways to get him the ball there and he, he's just a dangerous guy you know a guy who can run it a guy like I said, can catch it um and then they've got a cadre <laughs> you don't get a chance to use that word a lot a cadre of wide receivers uh all Ravens fans know what AJ Green can do and people can say yeah but he's not the same AJ Green he's been he ain't played the Ravens yet mm-hmm. this year if he looks like that guy from the first couple of games against them then okay I'll be ready to believe that but we know <laughs> what he's done <laughs> against the Ravens yeah. And then you've got sleep to, if you want. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Not not until I see it. And then you've got a you've got uh, Alden Tate, you've got Tyler Boyd, you've got T Higgins. Um, you know, so they they got a group there who they can throw it around to. And and, and Joe Burrow's been doing that. So Chris, uh, have I sufficiently scared you about the Bengals? I know it was the Steelers. You might both both of you would would already be <laughs> predicting a Ravens loss, but it's the Bengals. Uh, how how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty confident about the game. Uh, like you said, their their defense, uh, they have a few nice young pieces, but right now they're you know they're young pups, so they they can be toyed with a little bit right now. And it's it's not a group that really strikes fear in me when I when I look at how the Ravens have handled some defenses early, uh, so far this season, specifically the Browns, because I. I think we can all agree that the Browns, you know, their season hasn't hasn't been as great. But, you know, what we're seeing now is their defense is, is not a bad unit at all, especially the front seven. And the Ravens had their way with them. So I, I, I feel like this group that the Bengals coming in with, uh, they're, they're probably going to struggle a bit uh, against the Ravens. Uh, I think on the offense, well, dealing with their offense, the main guy to stop, in my opinion, would be Joe Mixon, because if he gets going, then that'll open everything else up for the other thousand receivers, first round and second round receivers that they have. And and as we know, like you said, Mike, A.J. Green, for whatever reason, he's like he's the offensive James Harrison. <laughs> I remember when James Harrison was washed and finished and had one foot out the door. But against the Ravens, he would just light them up. 
didn't matter how old he was, just did not matter. He would light them up. And AJ Green, I feel like he's the same way. Like it doesn't matter how old he is. If it's against the Ravens, he's going to be able to to do something spectacular because that's just that's what he does. He loves playing this team, and so hopefully we can limit those opportunities. And uh, I'm I'm not one of these guys that likes to predict stuff, but I see a Marcus Peters interception because mm-hmm. uh, we spoke about this earlier in the season, and uh, Joe. I, it was after the Chargers game specifically. And Joe Burrow, he's a good quarterback. He's, you know, poised. The team looks like they, they follow him. They they love look up to him as a leader. But his arm strength, I think, can can be a, a bit of a problem for him. And right now, the NFL speed, he's still trying to, you know, recalibrate recal- the throws that he can make in the league right now. Just how we saw last year with Lamar, where he had to recalibrate no, not last year, the, his rookie season, where he thought he could just get away from defensive linemen. He was like, no, these guys are too fast. I kind of have to, you know, take different angles and use variance with my speed. I think we're seeing that with Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. I almost called him Joe Flacco. Joe Burrow <laughs> with his arm. Because there are throws that you can make in college, but in the pros, you won't be able to get away with it. So I think he's still trying to figure that out right now. And and I think Marcus Peters might be licking his chops for one of those. Yeah, it's a tough it's a, it's a tough cornerback duo to still be trying to to learn that against um you know Peters and Marlon Humphrey whether he's outside or in the slot. He's he's always lurking. And you know, we know Peters uh, over his career, more interceptions, you know, during during his career than, than anybody else in the league. So he's always dangerous. And Marlon, you might catch the ball and he still might knock the ball out. So even even when you catch the ball against him, the play isn't over um, because you just never know when that fruit punch is coming uh, to, to knock that ball out. And this could be a big spot for the Ravens run game. Um, I was just looking at some of the numbers as we were talking and uh, Cincinnati run defense, not bad last week against the Jaguars, but I don't, I don't think that anybody here is, is, is seeing the Jaguars as a dominant rushing team, 89 yards they allowed. But prior to that, uh, 175 to the Eagles, 215 to the Browns, 155 to the Chargers. So could be a spot for the Ravens, uh, run game, which, you know that we were talking early uh, about people saying, well, they're not quite clicking on all cylinders. That's that's one one area where people have have been making that comment is hey, the run game doesn't look quite as dominant as it looked, you know, last year. Well, this this could potentially be uh, a spot for for them to really kind of turn it on because that that run defense looks exploitable. Now, to Kerry's point, you get Geno Atkins back. Obviously, that's that's a huge help, but he'll be playing his first game of the season. So, right. you know, there's probably going to be some 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 rust to knock off a little bit for him. Even a veteran like him, there, there could still be a little bit of rust to knock off. So I think there's there's an opportunity there uh, for the run game maybe to get cranked up uh, a little bit against this Bengals team. So should it be should be a fun matchup. Division games, you just never know. Right. Even when you think uh, maybe one of the teams is, is in a little bit more favorable position, it's a division game. And you, you just never know. Never, you just never know how those look, are going to go. Look at the Steelers when they lost to Ryan Mallett. The Ryan yeah. Mallett led Ravens. So yeah.
division games. No, nobody, nobody, nobody thought that that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then it did. And then it did. And, uh, man, I can remember, it's funny you mentioned, I remember some of those other games. Uh, there was, man, what was, what was the quarterback's name for Pittsburgh? He was Charlie Batch. The Charlie Patch led Steelers uh, beating the Ravens. And I was just like, man, man, come on. This is what we're going to do now. Um, but it, but that just shows you. It's it's just when you get into these division games, the teams know each other so well that, you know, some of the things that maybe you can do for teams who aren't in division and maybe this is their first time seeing you for a couple of years, you know, they've they maybe not seen you for three or four years. You can probably catch them off guard with some things. You just can't do that in the division. So it really just comes down to execution and making plays. And, you know, whichever team does those things the best, typically that that team's going to come out on top. Uh, so uh, it should be good. It's football, so it's always going to be good, you know, uh, and, and it's Ravens football. So that makes it even better. But um, I'm excited about that and we'll see how it goes. But let's get into the fan. I've been thinking about I've been trying to think of a name. I Fantasy corner, the fantasy block, the fantasy spot. I don't know what we should call it. Uh, I probably should let you guys come up with the name because you you really run point on on this more than me. You certainly don't want you guys are in the league with me. You certainly don't want to take fantasy advice from me. You've seen the record record with Bill <laughs> Bill Parcells says you are what your record says you are. So <laughs> I, I am what my record says I am in our fantasy league, which is over. Uh, so you definitely don't want to take any advice from me, but uh, you you do want to listen to Chris and Carrie, and we'll 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 lead off with Carrie because as we we've been mentioning, Carrie does a weekly article over at Russell Street Report, uh, gives you some plays, gives you some fantasy advice, some information, and that article is out there today. And uh, you know it's obviously not going to read the article to you on the podcast, but I know Carrie's talked about maybe sharing. Uh, a couple things from the article and then maybe some broader things too. just, uh, you know, as we take that kind of 30,000 foot view of, of the fantasy landscape. So Carrie, I turn it over to you. Yeah. So, um, you know, those who follow me know the last uh, few years I've been doing this uh, article for Russell street report, um, where I do a weekly, um, DraftKings lineup. It's a GPP lineup is, you know, something that you would put in like a Millie maker or, you know, another, you know, uh, half field tournament. Uh, so this week and, and first, before I even get into the specific plays, it's important that people understand the the differences in lineups and, you know, kind of my thought processes when, you know, I put these lineups out here. Um, these aren't lineups that, you know, you're going to play in uh, three man, uh, you know, games with your boys or 10 man, uh, you know, lineups with people that you, you know, have a fantasy league with and you guys do, uh, you know, weekly um, uh, DraftKings uh, kind of contest. This is kind of more chance taking. This is more looking for variance. You know, these these lineups aren't aren't safe lineups per se so you know this isn't a situation where uh, you know i'm I'm trying to um you know get a safe 150 points 160 points no i'm trying to hit for you know 230 240 you know take some chances 
And when you take chances, you know, more often than not, you're going to um, kind of end up on the short end of the stick. But, you know, I, it's been fun for me. And, uh, you know, I'm learning a lot from it and still trying to improve at it. But, you know, I think that's important to understand going in, knowing what kind of um, tournament you're competing in. So, uh, you know, when you see these lineups and you don't see, um, you know, consistency in the scores, just understand, you know, these lineups are built for, um, you know, kind of higher variance, uh, you know, trying to take down a, um, something big. So you got to get different and you got to ch- uh, take chances. Uh, so going into the lineup this week, a uh, couple plays I want to point out, and um, this is right in those lines of taking chances. I like Daniel Jones this week going to Dallas to face the Cowboys. Ooh. This is a game that's going to be played at a very fast pace. Both of these teams are top 10 in pace. I expect the Giants to be playing from behind. Uh, Dallas is, you know, the fastest team uh, as far as pace in the league. Um, They're putting up just gaudy, gaudy numbers, um, you know, passing the ball. Um, So this is a game that I expect um, the Giants to have to chase. And, you know, Daniel Jones is one of those high-variance guys that, you know, he could throw three picks and fumble two times, or he could throw – four touchdown passes. And, you know, we saw that last year. We haven't seen as much of the high end um, this year, but I think this game is kind of a a unique one because both teams play fast, and I expect him to be playing, you know, well from behind. So, you know, to me, he's an interesting play. He's a perfect tournament kind of play. Uh, uh, He's a play that uh, not a lot of people will be on. Uh, So, you know, that's one, um, you know, play I'm I'm super interested in. And then um, I'll give you another one from the lineup. um, Mike Davis with the uh, Panthers Um, with Christian McCaffrey out. He's pretty much been playing the Christian McCaffrey role. Um, He's got, you know, double digit carries in the last two um, games and has like 23 targets in the the last three games. And, um, the first of those three games, he didn't even play the full game because uh, Christian McCaffrey was out there before he got hurt. Uh, so you couple that, you look at his red zone usage, and um, you just look at the fact that, you know, it's another game with a high total. And, um, you know, he's pretty much match uh, up proof because regardless how the game goes, he's going to be involved, with, you know, with those targets. Um, you know, he's going to be involved if they fall behind. Um, he's got a, a good um, grasp on the um, on the uh, running work. So, um, you know, if they're playing from ahead, um, you know, he benefits there. So I, I think he's a pretty solid play uh, at 6,400. So he's a, a guy I'll be looking at this week. Uh, but again, uh, check out the lineup on um, on Russell Street. Uh, again, it's a, 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 a lineup that, um, you know, you're looking for big outcomes. So I, I like to stack. I like to double stack. I like to bring it back with players. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell a story in the lineup. I'm, I'm tr- when I decide on a player, I'm trying to figure out what's the best possible outcome for that player and then make my lineup uh, reflect that. So definitely give that a, um, a, a look. And, um, you know, throw some lineups out there and, you know, based off of I, I try to 
um, kind of give you my thought process within the article for the lineup. And I, I think it's something that everybody can take and apply to their own. Um, so, you know, you don't have to agree with uh, the picks, but, you know, take that thought process and, and build yourself some lineups based off of those thought processes. Man, that, that Dallas defense, oof, it is it has been rough. You you talked about that Daniel Jones play. That that secondary, it has been rough. And then, you know, this week there were all of the questions about their efforts. Um, you know, in terms of running to the ball and playing hard. And you know, when 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 the beat guys after the game are uh questioning the coach about that and the coach is saying, oh, I don't I don't see anything wrong with the effort out there, you know. You know it's bad when B guys are asking questions like that about do you think guys are giving effort? Do you think guys are playing that hard? That's not something we really hear here in Baltimore. Um, you'll you'll you just won't hear those guys ask that kind of question uh, to John Harbaugh. Um, and, and maybe that maybe that depends on the market you're in and, and, and the guys covering the team where they feel a little more comfortable asking that question. But that's like to me that's one of those signs that okay there, there's something going on here because. Typically, I think people are, are a little bit hesitant to question effort because these are professionals and, you know, everybody's getting paid and everybody understands the seriousness of not giving max effort out there on the field, what that can mean to your job, what it can mean to your safety. You hear players all the time talk about if you're not going full speed, that's when you get hurt. So when they started questioning that, I was like, man, there they, they, must be something really going on here. And uh so if, if Danny Dimes can can capitalize on that, I like it. Well, Z- Xavier Woods actually addressed that today, uh, the, the whole effort question. And uh, <laughs> <Yes>. he, was, <laughs> he, said, he, he said, how are you going to give 100 percent effort every play when you're when you're, your defense is out there for 70 plays? Mm. Mm. Well, I'm sure, the offensive coordinator. Not, not loving, not loving that. <laughs> Maybe you guys need to be running the ball a little more, controlling the clock a little more, keep us off the field a little bit. We know uh, that's that's been a Raven formula, uh, really since Lamar took over. Is uh, you know that kind of ball control uh, sort of approach, which just just makes sense. You know, I mean, if you, I think sometimes people look at that and they'll say, well, you're you're afraid for your your quarterback to throw the ball around. You don't want your quarterback to throw the ball. You you want to you want to run it. You want to control the the game with the run. And I'm like, no, I don't really think it means that. I think to me, it's always meant, you know, the the best defense really is to keep the other offense off the field. Like it doesn't even matter really who. I mean, there might there might be a handful of quarterbacks who you actually want on the field against your defense <laughs> because they're so mistake prone. But in, but by and large, in the NFL, I would think you know most people would agree that hey, the best way of keeping offense from scoring points is keep them off the field. So and it's interesting that Dallas has gotten to this place, because remember when Dak was young, that first year or two, they really played the opposite way. They really did run the ball. They were super run heavy. And it really was that keep away game of keeping their offense on the field by running the ball and their defense. Not like it was great back then. I I think better it is now. But they they looked even better because they didn't have to to faces many plays and the situations that they were coming out in were more favorable situations for a defense, but they've kind of flipped it around because, you know, now Dak's got all these weapons and 
receiving weapons. And, and obviously the numbers are there early in the season. You, you see the kind of numbers he's putting up in the passing game. But maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to get back to a little bit of that that earlier approach uh, to, to try to help your defense out a little bit. So uh be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But I, I like that Danny Dimes call. Um, I might have been a week early. I had Danny Dimes and some. <laughs> lineups last week because I was, you know, I was thinking, look, this is this has got to be a good spot, right? I would think because uh, it was the 49ers they played last week, correct? Wasn't it the 49ers? Did the Giants play? No, Rams. No, Excuse that was Rams. two weeks ago. Rams. It was yeah, the Rams. Rams. Right, and I'm and I'm thinking, well, the Rams, you know, who are they? Right, their defense isn't anything special, right? But uh, it turned out not to be such a great idea. So another reason not to listen to me and listen to Kerry. So this is the week that you want to do it. Last week was not the week. This is the week that you want to do it. What do you think, Chris? You got any uh, any fantasy plays, information, advice, just just any anything in that fantasy landscape that you want to talk about? Uh, just uh, it's this is really a, a, a no brainer kind of thing, but I feel like it just has to be hammered home a little bit more this year than ever because with the whole COVID situation, uh, games are getting pushed back, games are getting postponed, and the news actually came down that we're actually going to have a Tuesday game this week. So that just throws a whole monkey wrench in a bunch of different things. Like, for example, last year, I mean, last week, a whole bunch of people got stuck with uh, Devontae Adams being out of the game. And it's like, yeah, you kind of have to prepare for that. If you know that a guy is questionable or if you know that a game, you know, has the chance to maybe be canceled, you know, because with the Titans, you never just never know nowadays. So I feel like you need to have guys on your roster who, you know, will play and or or guys who you can substitute. If it's a late game, you'll be able to substitute them in just in case someone that you're relying on won't be able to to play. Because a lot of guys were stuck last week with Devontae Adams, and they didn't have any anyone else to, to put in. And a lot of people lost those games because they didn't, they didn't have a replacement for him. So I, I feel like it's good to just stay on top of it and just make sure that you, ha- you have backups ready to go just in case someone can't play due to injury or just due to COVID and any kind of postponement. Yeah, you would think this would make it a good fit for me because we we joke all the time about how I play standard league fantasy football like DFS. Like I want to change my lineup every week. And you're almost getting to that point where you need to be in position to change your lineup every week because you don't you don't know uh, what kind of wrench. Uh, some of these these COVID, uh, you know, these positive COVID tests are, are going to throw in, into that week's slate of games. So you almost need that that DFS level of flexibility right now. Um, and it just amazes me uh, for people that play standard and do it regularly. I think I talked about it last week, just how on top of things you have to be, how quickly you have to re- react to information and really be proactive. Uh, in terms of information, you almost can't. If, if, if you're waiting to actually hear the news, you're like too late. You almost got to be anticipating the news and kind of reading the tea leaves. And now even more so with everything that you just said, Chris, now you got to take all of that to yet another level 
because of, you know, the shuffling of the deck you're having to do roster wise, just being prepared, right? Because you don't know if a guy is going to be able to go or a team's going to be able to play or not. And so you've got to be ready to pivot uh, and still have people that you can play and still try to win that matchup that week. So uh, my hat's off, man, to folks who play standard fantasy, like on the regular, like year in and year out. I had taken years off from doing it until this year, and I, I had no idea. I thought I was just kind of going to waltz into it, like, oh, this, you ain't even got to gotta do the draft, and maybe you got to do something a couple times a year, and then, you know, you really got to gotta put that much into it. It's not like DFS, but it's it's just, it's not, but it, it it's getting a little more like it because of COVID, but even setting that aside, it's just different. It's different, and there is a lot of thought that has to go into it, and I really, I really underestimated that, and that's why I'm getting my butt kicked. So, <laughs> those are those are the best lessons, you know. Those are the ones that stick with you when when you got to feel a little pain. Sometimes it's not physical pain. Sometimes it might be like emotional, pain, <laughs> psychological pain. But pain is a good teacher. I heard Tony Dungy say that once. Pain, pain is a good teacher. So, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of that that psychological pain right now of being humbled. Uh, in in this league so far, so good advice. Good advice as usual. Got a couple plays in there. Um, obviously, go back and read Kerry's article to get more of his plays. That actual DK lineup, and you know, drop that thing in in, in some large field tournaments in the Millie, man. And and if you if you hit, if you take down a tournament, if you take down the Millie Maker, you know, send Maybe us some screenshots. Good. Yeah. yeah, well, we want to cut. Carrie needs a cut, number one. <laughs> yeah, I said we. You see how I put myself in there real quick. <laughs> we, we need to cut. I ain't wrote nothing. <laughs> yeah, d- damn the screenshots. Send some of that money. Uh, yeah, you're right. We don't need no screenshots. We need Venmo. We need Cash App. <laughs> we need PayPal. We don't need no screenshots. I just caught that myself. I can't. I didn't even. I didn't even consciously think about it. I was like, yeah, we need that. <laughs> but no, Carrie. Carrie is the one who would obviously be deserving of that because they're his plays. So um, I think it's cool when people when people do that though, because you know there are other people out there in the industry who give out plays or give out lineups and then. Uh, when people use some of those plays or even use that entire lineup and they hit, you know, in, in a tournament or in a game, um, I think it's cool right, to, to see that. But cool is one thing. Cash is another. So <laughs> that's 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 what we we I'm going I'm to stick with. We that's what we would be looking for <laughs> if, any, if anybody hits on any of those plays or line or, or that line up this week. So definitely check that out over at RussellStreetReport.com. You can find it there every Thursday throughout the season. Um, fellas, Chris or Kerry, we got anything else before we, we close out the show? Anything we want to hit on? Yeah, I kind of want to just uh, see what you guys, uh, uh, kind of how you've been approaching it with, uh, with COVID, um, uh, delaying these games and how you've been approaching it from a redraft standpoint. And, you know, listeners, uh, let me know what you've been doing. Uh, you know, send us, uh, you know, tweets, whether it be to the, um, to the, uh, deep cover, uh, pod, uh, Twitter account or our, or our Twitter accounts. Um, I've been more on the conservative, um, kind of scale on it. When they came out about the uh, Patriots and uh, Chiefs game being um, delayed, for me, I didn't know if the game was going to be played because, you know, what if somebody else pops up positive? 
you know, after the fact. So for me, I just pulled all those guys out of the lineups. I had anybody, any game that's been postponed to this point, I just pulled them out of the lineup. But I wonder if I'm being a bit too cautious. And then I, I've been, you know, just thinking about that a lot with the report that there's going to be two games that get delayed uh, this week. I think one is going to be played on Monday and then the other one on Tuesday. So and I have players, you know, in, in both of those games. So now I have to kind of figure out what I'm going to do. You know, am I going to sit these guys and maybe play suboptimal players, but safer players? Or am I going to wait this thing out um, and risk, you know, more exposures and, uh, you know, maybe the game gets canceled and then you're kind of stuck? Okay, the, the way I've been doing it, so um, last last week I had Devontae uh, going for me in a pretty tight game, and uh, I had him in my lineup, and I did not, uh, I didn't, I didn't have a backup plan for him. So you could see that going like uh, with a, a COVID situation where you have a guy that you're relying on, and he's not able to play. So I feel like the way to go about that is just have backup guys like for example if you can get you know an mvs off the waiver wire and just have him in your back pocket and it's like okay if Devonte can't go then i'm going to put this dude in but in a covid situation it's like you have to like you said sometimes you just have to go for those suboptimal plays and risk you know maybe only getting six points seven points but the other side of it is if this game is canceled, I'm going to get a donut. Like it's going to be zero points. So it's a, it's a, a really dangerous game to play. And I feel like your, your record definitely can help you with that. Cause I could see a four and O team, maybe taking a, a little bit of a chance more than a and four team who just wants to get points and can't really afford to, to, to get a, a zero in any game. So I, I feel like it's a case-by-case basis. And just, you know, like I said, just try to stay on top of it as much as you can and and read everything that you can about the, the latest news and what's going on because it it's, it's going to get treacherous. I mean, I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think it's, it's I don't I don't see how it's going to get any better going forward. Now there, there's, there's not going to be, or doesn't appear that they're going to be any NFL bubbles. <laughs> so without the bubble, I think you're, you're absolutely right, Chris. I don't see uh, any way that this doesn't at least continue. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you, you see uh, fewer positive tests or something like that, but um, I, I don't think it's going away. I think we, we all see that in our everyday lives. And now that you started to see it kind of emerge in the NFL, they did pretty good those first couple of weeks. But, um, you know, this is this is just the nature of this virus, that it's it's just that pervasive, that things can be quiet for a while and then they can spike. You know, we, we've seen that all around the country. So uh, I, I'm with you there. You just have to be prepared from a fantasy standpoint, you know, try to try to think think through these scenarios and spend a little bit more time, you know, coming up with a plan and then trying to execute that plan. So 
you know, the advice has been given here. You've heard it back to back weeks, really going back to maybe that first show and get insurance on your insurance, you know, when yes, sir. That. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, the advice has been there and then it's, it's, it's just up to you to, uh, to, to put it in, put it into action. So, um, unless we got anything else, guys, I think we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it here. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, I'll tease it a little bit with a, with a special guest, um, you know, uh, a familiar name and a familiar voice, Let people kind of think about some of that a little bit, see if they can guess who it is. And somebody who I think we would all agree. We, we feel like it's part of the, part of the deep cover pod family, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's, Honorary fourth, fourth, uh, co-host. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I haven't told him this, but when I think about him and when I really refer to him with you guys, he, he's uncle to me. He's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll be looking forward to that. You, you know what it is? It's like Wu-Tang and then Redman. Like Redman was basically like a part of Wu-Tang. Almost. He was just he was there. You yeah. know, he was he was in the family. He didn't have to be on you know it, at every performance and, and everything but you you never felt like he was separate really yeah. you know you always felt like he was a part of it and we feel that way uh about about our guests so look forward to that next week uh it's going to be a good time always is when when we're able to spend some time with that guest i'm not gonna <laughs> try to reveal it in too many ways so lamar look, jackson it go hey look you never know, right? It was there was it was who it was Spencer and those Balti- the Baltimore beatdown guys that had Ed Reed on. So yeah, yeah, you, they had you, Ed. You just never know, man. You never know who might show up on the show. So that's why you got to tune in. So next week, um, until then, for Carrie and Chris, this is Mike. Uh, we're signing off, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Go Ravens.